This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. This week, I sit down with Asherita Chuchu to discuss prayers of rest, which was birthed out of a near panic attack she experienced during the first weeks of the pandemic. And it is now a podcast and a published book. As we begin, I want to point you to a free resource I have available at graceenoughpodcast.com. 10 Scripture Prayers to Calm Your Heart. If today's episode ministers to your soul, head to graceenoughpodcast.com to get the free resource and graceenoughpodcast.com slash prayers of rest for link to Asherita's books and podcast. Good morning, Asherita, and welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Good morning, Amber. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I am going to just dive right in. I always like to ask my guests um, a little bit about themselves, uh, their family, and what they do on a day-to-day basis. So I married my high school sweetheart, Flavio. We are both Romanians, and we met in fifth grade summer camp. So we have been- Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. We've been friends, um, I think at this point, about as long as we've been married. So we've known each other more than we have not. (laughs) Now, where do you live currently? We're in Northeast Ohio. Okay. But you Mm -hmm. both grew up in Romania and were born there. Well, I I was not born there. It's a long story, Okay, but um, (laughs) I I am Romanian um, and so is he. And we have three kids ages eight and under, and they are uh, such a joy and also probably the hardest thing in my life. Um, the most most (laughs) humbling part of my journey to date has been motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet God continues to meet me every day when I cry out to him and seek his help. So yeah, they're a a boatload of fun. We love spending time together. Um, and day to day I am published writer and podcaster. Um, and so it's, you know, that funny, tricky, not quite balanced, more of a juggling act That's of right. uh, getting work done and also being present for my family. And um, my hope is always that wherever I am, I'd be a hundred percent present there. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of my, the, the ongoing tension is how do I faithfully honor and serve the Lord in the ministry that he's blessed us with um, going on nine years now of uh, oh. one thing alone ministries and everything that we do with that. But also like my kids don't care that I'm a published author. <laughs> like, they just yep. want their snack. <laughs> they just want to cuddle with mom. And, and so faithfully loving and pouring into my kids as well. Well, tell me a little bit of your faith journey. Um, how did you come to know Christ? So I grew up in a Christian family. My parents, um, my dad was the pastor of several churches in Romania during communism. Um, and so mm. it was it, in many ways it was a life and death situation and they had to escape the country because of persecution. Mm. I was born in Greece along the way to the United States. Um, and so my entire life, God was not some distant deity that mm. at one point had been involved with the world and now was distant, but rather he was 
present and involved in our day-to-day lives. Like I grew Mm. up on stories of his faithfulness and his protection and his provision and ways that he heard my parents cry out to him in desperate prayers and ways that he showed up in miraculous ways. Like that was (laughs) my childhood. That that's how I grew up on those stories. And then when I was seven, we went to Romania, back to Romania after communism fell um, as missionaries. And for Mm. 10 years, we loved and served the gypsy people. Uh, We planted churches there in pioneer ministry. Um, There's a a lot I could say about that, but it was like watching the book of Acts come to life, (laughs) just watching God radically transform communities um, and families and lives in a way that can only be explained by the power of the gospel. And so ever since I was a young kid, like I had this front row seat to what God's spirit is doing in the world. And, um, God called me by name. This is it. Like as long as I can remember, I have loved Jesus. You know, I could tell you, yes, there was a decision point when I was about five in the back of my parents' Subaru and it was a dark night. And that was the day that I prayed to accept Jesus into my heart. Um, as best I knew how as a mm-hmm. you know, right. five-year-old yep. and I prayed that sinner's prayer multiple times just to yep. be safe that I did it the right way. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, and, you know, there's some <laughs> angst there, but looking back on my life, I can't think of a time that I did not love Jesus. Are your parents still living and are they in the States now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I told you everything's kind of a long story with me. So I know, look, I'm like, can we just talk about that? I mean, I really want to talk That's about fine. your book. Yeah, no, this is, this is perfect. This is really interesting. It's all interwoven. So much of what I've shared sounds like this fantastical fairy tale story. And the truth mm. is that every story has its hard parts yep. and its dark moments. Um, and part of that for me was in my early twenties, actually throughout high school, I could see that something was not right with my parents' marriage. Mm. And when, when right after I got married, after I finished college, my dad walked away Mm. and left his family, left the ministry. Uh, it was, it was a really, really hard season, um, where he, for me had been so interwoven with my faith. He was Mm -hmm. the one who prayed with me in the Subaru. He was the one who taught me scripture, taught me how to study God's word, taught me how to pray. Like so much of, my understanding of being a Christian came from my father. And so for him to walk out and just turn his back on us, such a hard season. So, you know, fast forwarding, he's not a part of our lives right now. My mom remarried and God blessed her with an amazing husband who loves God and loves her and uh, loves my kids. So he's uh, a bonus grandpa for the kids. So And it's, it's really neat to see how God redeems pain and brokenness um, and also meets us. In That's that right. place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it, it's incredible though, because to see that dichotomy of yet yeah, life really isn't perfect and things happen along the way that you're just like, what in the world? Like, why did this happen? Yet I still see your faithfulness in so many things. Yeah. That's an incredible story. And so there's still hope, right? Like there's mm-hmm. still hope. The story is not finished. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the the encouragement that God placed on my heart is that, you know, this might feel like the end of a story Mm -hmm. and yet God is still the author of our stories. He's the one Mm -hmm. who continues to write each chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't see the end. I don't know how this is going to end up, but I feel like a gift that both parents gave me is 
the perspective of God's faithfulness. Like, Mm. even if I don't see what God is doing now, I can look back and see his faithfulness in the past. He has never once let me down. And so even if I don't understand right now, Mm -hmm. that is where faith comes from. It's not something that we make up. Faith is based on real experiences with God. Mm -hmm. When you can look back and see God has been so good. He has been so faithful. He has always been trustworthy. That is where faith is built. It's pointing back and saying, because of that reality, I can rest in his faithfulness and trustworthiness, even if I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. JD Greer yesterday in church said, you know, God is always good, but the arc of his goodness is usually much longer than ours. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, isn't that the truth? Like we, we don't see the full arc sometimes on this side of eternity. And sometimes we do. So anyways, um, again, that's a little bit of a side note, but like you said, it's not because at the end of the day, everything is interwoven. And so Tell us a little bit about your ministry, because something that I love about what you, you do is that you find creative ways to help women engage with God's word. And so I'm curious as to what kind of gap did you see when you launched this ministry of, you know, people just struggling to do more than sit in church on Sunday and not do more as in striving, but get in the word of God for themselves. I mean, a lot of it came from my own experience. Um, So, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, we were in church every time the doors were open, like we opened the door literally. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I saw in myself a gap between what I was hoping Mm -hmm. to be like what in, in my heart, um, I wanted to be the person who was in God's word, who was feasting on the bread of life, who was, you know, spending gobs of time in prayer. And yet, even as a teenager, I recognized that my heart is prone to wander, <laughs> that I get bored reading the Bible, mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to focus in prayer. And as I, I paid attention to conversations with people around me, I recognized like, this is a common struggle. And yet we don't talk about it because we feel ashamed. Um, and I experienced like, I I opened the, the book prayers of rest with a story of me in my prayer journal, just writing out the words, like God, teach me to pray. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should be better at this by now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was 13 Amber. I felt like I should be a prayer expert at 13, (laughs) but that, that is the story of if you grew up in the church, right? Like it really is. I've heard people say that so many times and I'm like, but I mean, your whole life is saturated with that. So I get it. (laughs) Yeah. And yet God, I believe God rewards uh, those who honestly seek him. And I can look back and see how God did take me in a time of growing in my prayer life in the two years that followed that sincere prayer of saying, God, I feel like I should know how to pray. And I don't, would you teach me how Mm. to pray? And God's answer is always yes. (laughs) Would you teach me how to feast on your, on your word? Yes. Would you teach me how to grow and and abide in you and grow in fruitfulness and and that the fruit of the spirit would be evident in my life? God's answer is yes. (laughs) Every single one of those prayers honors him. And so when we come to him with sincere hearts, um, he will respond to that. So I Mm. saw how God took me on a journey of learning how to pray, of learning how to study scripture, of abiding in his presence. I experienced this joy in his presence 
that could not compare to anything else. And, mm-hmm. and this was, I was like 16 and experienced just this depth of intimacy with God. And, and it was the best thing. Mm. Um, and, and from there, I, that was on the mission field. We came back to the States on furlough. I, you know, went on to college and I, I went to a Christian college and did not experience God's presence in the same way that I had in, in those two summers of just intense seeking him. And that's where a lot of this angst started coming up. Like why, once you've tasted it, you can't Mm -hmm. go back to a superficial, like sitting in the pew and everything's okay. Like there was this longing and hunger in me. I want to get back to that place. What is Mm. missing? God, what do you lead me back into that? It really felt like a wilderness wandering. Mm -hmm. Um, And and a lot was happening with my family at the same time. Like there were just layers of of what was going on. It's not Um, linear, is it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so coming out of that, a lot of, of that, like heart hurt, Mm-hmm. Um, happening with my dad, a lot of um, crying out to God and, and differentiating what is my parents' faith mm-hmm. and what is my faith? Uh, what are my parents' experiences with God and what is my experience with God? And it was right around the time that my daughter was born in 2013, my first daughter, um, that several people <laughs> actually got, got used several people to come to me and say, Ashrita, God has given you a gift of communication and you have buried that gift And it's okay Mm. for a season because God was doing healing in your heart, but it's time to unearth that gift and Mm. it's time to put it into service for the body of Christ. Um, and Amber, like three people told me that in the space of like three months, (laughs) it's almost the same exact message. And I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. And that is where one thing alone ministries was born. And and it comes from this passage in Luke. Um, We know about Mary and Martha, right. And Martha being busy about all the things and Mary just sitting at Jesus's feet. And, And the phrase that stood out to me is where Jesus looks at Martha with such compassion and tenderness and says, Martha, Martha, you are busy and overwhelmed with so many things, but only one thing is needed. Hmm. And it became my prayer that that one thing alone would become the focus of my days, even as I'm doing all the other things, right? Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm a new mom and a wife and a daughter walking with her mom through her grief process and a coworker and all the things. Um, How do I make the one thing, one thing alone, the focus of my days? Um, And that's where the ministry was born. Wow. I love it. I could go into a lot of different things there, but again, I, I'm like, we can't, but we can, right? So out of that, one of the things that was uh, one of the creative tools that was born is your podcast and then your newest book, Prayers of Rest, which really came out of some prayers that you led during the pandemic. Um, share a little bit about that experience, just kind of what you did during that time, what their response was and why you ended up deciding to put it in book form. So to summarize about six or seven years of ministry, they went from blogging and writing lots of creative ways. Cause that's kind of what I saw in my own life is that I had adopted this formulaic approach to quiet time mm-hmm. and it was failing. And then looking at the Bible and saying, there's no formula to how we approach God. Uh, as long as we come through Jesus, he is the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's so many options, yeah. <laughs> uh, so much creativity that he yeah. invites us and how we form these habits of seeking him. Um, and so 
God just continued to draw women to our ministry who were looking for ways to be consistent in their time in God's Mm. word. Um, And we had a great time with something called Bible and breakfast, which is really focused on reading scripture. And how do you make that work when you have a busy life? And then there was this group community component to it that once I, I experienced that, I was like, this is the way I want to do ministry from now on. I want it to have this community aspect to it that then turns around and invites people to be part of their local church and to experience discipleship there in community. So that's kind of an important background piece to what happened with prayers of rest. So about two weeks into the lockdown, I love my husband. I love my kids. I'm also an introvert and I was like, I can't do saturated. (laughs) I'm not an introvert girl. And that was me. I was like, ah, um, and, and so Amber, there's this moment where I'm at the kitchen sink and two of my kids were in the living room screaming over whose turn it is to do whatever with whatever. Right. Yeah. My husband's upstairs trying to work from home, um, Mm -hmm. on an important phone call. And there's yeah. this going on in the background. I am trying to fix like the bazillionth lunch or snack or whatever's going on. And there's just no space for me to be alone. And it had become too much. Mm-hmm. And I was at the kitchen sink and my hands started shaking and my heart rate like skyrocketed out of nowhere. And my vision, it became like tunnel vision. Like mm, so everything scary. got dark. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? is happening to me. Like, this is so bizarre. And looking back, like a panic attack, Mm -hmm. it was my first time experiencing a panic attack. And it was literally, my body was overloaded with stimuli Mm -hmm. and could not handle anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the moment it felt like my body was betraying me. I have depended on my body to take me through so many things and life experiences. And here it is like, breaking down when I need it most. So I, um, the only place in the house that I could be alone was the laundry room. <laughs> so I went to the laundry room How and true. shut the door because my kids <laughs> never go there. And I just remember like slumping against the wall and sliding to the floor and sobbing mm-hmm. and just saying over and over again, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. My body was failing mentally. I was at capacity. Um, and, and it just felt like I have nothing left to give mm-hmm. and on the horizon, there are no answers. There's no end in sight. We don't know when this is going to end. Like we don't know what's happening. There's tension in, in friendships and families over things that like, you would think this isn't something that we should argue over. And yet here it is causing division among people that we meet each other. And it was just, I can't do this anymore. And that was like. Uh, a scratched CD. Remember those where it would like yes. keep skipping and like, yes. I can't do this anymore. I can't, can't do this do anymore. This. <laughs> uh, and, and in that space on the laundry room floor, God met me in such a personal way. Mm. And over that soundtrack of, I can't do this anymore. I heard the words, God is our refuge and strength, mm. a very present help in time of trouble. And I sat with that and my response was, but I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and, and that's the truth. Like it wasn't yeah. this miraculous, like, boom, you're healed. Your body's now calm. It, it was a, I can't. And then God's word, just being louder than the storm in my heart and mind. And, mm-hmm. and for every, I can't do this anymore. It was God's spirit reminding me, God is our refuge and strength 
a very present help in time of trouble. And gradually, it was probably a good 15 minutes of sitting on that floor until God's voice became louder than my own struggling thoughts Mm -hmm. and fears. And eventually, the I can't do this anymore was gone. And all that was left was God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And that truth, like the power of God's word to calm my anxious thoughts. I I just think of Jesus, the one who spoke to the storms and the waves and with one word calmed them. That's what I experienced in that moment. And on the one hand, I was super grateful that God met me in that place in a moment where I had never experienced this before. And it was frightening Mm -hmm. to feel like what is out of control. Yeah. Yes. Um, to, to see God tenderly see me in that moment and care for me in that moment and meet me in that moment and also reaffirmed the power of God's word. Mm-hmm. to, to meet us in that place and to cause transformation. Like he did right. not leave me on that floor alone. He rescued me. So that was powerful in and of itself. But with it came the realization that if I do not make time to be in God's presence, a priority in this season of the lockdown, I'm not going to make it mm-hmm. like mentally, <laughs> I am going to have a nervous breakdown. If if something doesn't change from how I had been doing things for two weeks. And so that really was the rock bottom point for me to say, um, it's not that I'm going to get up early and read my Bible and pray because it's the good Christian thing to do. Mm -hmm. I need to do that for my sanity, like just to survive the season. Um, and, and it was such a sweet gift of God that he gave me that experience of seeing the power of resting in his presence, um, the power of his word to override our fears and to override the, the turmoil in our hearts. Um, I experienced that. And so I knew like, this is what I'm after. So I made a commitment to wake up early every morning and pray God's word. Um, and I posted this on Instagram. I said, I don't know if any of you are dealing with this. Like I just had a freak out moment on my laundry room floor (laughs) and I know that I need to make prayer in God's presence, a priority for me in this season. And so if any of you are feeling this, like, I would love for you to join me. I'm going to be going live every morning at seven, um, and feel free to tune in. And it sounded like a good idea in the moment, Amber. And the next morning when my alarm went off at (laughs) six 30, I was like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Oh, Why? it's so Why? true. <laughs> and I, you know, set up my phone on the floor of our closet and my phone, like my finger was, was shaking a little bit. And there's this sense of trepidation. Like, what if no one shows up? Like, what if everyone mm. thinks I'm a weirdo? And yet in that moment, I was like, you know, even if no one shows up, I need this. And the mm-hmm. accountability helps me because <laughs> otherwise yeah. I'll be like staying up late watching Netflix and then not waking up in the morning. So, you know, I was like, even if it's just for me, I'm going to do this. Um, and I hit go live and Amber, dozens of women from around the world joined mm-hmm. in and we spent 30 minutes praying scripture together. And I had developed a few years ago, this acronym rest that we can talk through, um, just a way to guide you through praying scripture. And uh, the the emphasis being on truly resting and experiencing God's presence in prayer. 
Um, and so we did that. And at the end of the call, every single one of them was like, thank you. This is exactly mm. what I needed. Mm. What an answer to prayer. And the next morning we did it again. And the next morning we did it again. And we went live every morning, every weekday morning for eight weeks during the pandemic. That's commitment. And it was incredible what God's spirit did. The ways these women um, shared with me, like how their experience of the pandemic was different from their friends and their neighbors, because they were not wrestling with the same fears. They were not living in a place of just wondering what's going to happen next, because every morning they were renewing their mind with scripture. Every morning they started from a place of rest, knowing God's got this, he's got us, we can trust him. And so to fast forward, we, you know, after eight weeks, there were so many who wanted to join us live, but they couldn't because of time zones and they'd watch the replay, but the replay would disappear after 24 hours. And so we transitioned to a weekly podcast. So Mm -hmm. once a week, I would release an episode, a 10 minute guided prayer. And I committed to do that for the summer. And I was like, I don't know if we'll keep doing this or not, but you know, we'll see. And at the end of the summer, it was just so clear that God's hand was in it and that the community rallied around prayers of rest around this habit of resting in God's presence by praying scripture. Um, and so we've been doing the prayers of rest podcast for two years. And the number one request has been, would you put these prayers in written form? Like I want Mm. to go back and pray them again, instead of it just being gone or, you know, having to listen to the podcast again. And, you know, one of the markers that determined whether or not we would continue the podcast, Amber was, I saw, um, this podcast was being downloaded in over 130 countries around the world. Many of them with doors closed to missionaries. <laughs> like these are places yeah. in the world where you could not go and hold a prayer meeting right? Uh, unless you wanted to be arrested. And, and because that's where my parents came from, because yeah. I knew the, the danger of the persecuted church and, and what it takes to serve them in that place. I was like, God, your, your spirit is doing something. And, and so, yes, I will obey. We'll continue this. So uh, just so exciting to see a community really rallying around prayers of rest, asking for these written prayers. Um, that's where the book came out of that yeah. meeting that need. It's a collection of 365 prayers of rest, lots of fun collections so that you don't have yeah. to feel like you need to commit to all three, 365 of them. Right. You can pray for 10 of these prayers or 30 of these prayers. We just wrapped up last week, Amber, a prayer dare, uh, which is five days of inviting people to come back into live prayers together. So five days of resting in God's promises. God promises to hear us when we pray. God promises to always love us. God promises Mm -hmm. to always be with us. Um, God promises that he has good purposes for your life. Just an incredible time. And my prayer had been that a thousand people would gather together for this prayer dare. And that felt like a huge step of faith. Because remember those live prayers we had in the lockdown, we had a few dozen um, who showed up consistently, but to go from that to a thousand live was like, I don't, I don't know, God, would you do this? Like, (laughs) would you show up in this way? Like, you don't have to, but that would just be so sweet if you did. And um, we had over 2,400 people register and pray God's promises together. And 
it's just like watching what God's spirit is doing with this. It's just so exciting. Like yeah. he is moving in the world. If, if you're listening to this and you're like, God doesn't care about my life friend, he does. Like That's he right. is waiting for you to call on him. Well, and I think too, like even if a thousand people didn't show up and even if those people who met with you during the pandemic did still experience fear, God's still working even in that, you know, God's still good even if sometimes the outcome we don't desire isn't there, but then Mm -hmm. when it is, it's also like affirmation of like, okay, God is moving. He's doing um, exactly what he wants to do, whether it's in one heart or 2,400 hearts. Right. Absolutely. And so like, I share that not in a uh, like name it and claim it way, Yeah, absolutely. but, but rather like a month ago, I was in a place where it's like, God, are you still in this? Um, There was just a Mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of fear in my own heart, even after two years of resting in God's God's presence, there's still a sense of like, is this pleasing to you? Like, are you still in this work or am I just on autopilot doing the next right thing that, you know, the business model says like, this is what you should mm-hmm. do next. Like I, I really was, I get that. would you give me an answer for my own heart? And so more so it felt like just a sign of God's favor saying, yes, he is still moving, but like, I'm giving you the highlights of the story. I can That's give you right. all the lowlights yeah. of the story, <laughs> all the moments where it's like, really God, where are you? What, what's happening? I um, know. I, I do. I always like to point that out though. Cause sometimes I think, like you said, you, we are sharing the highlights. And so, um, it's important to keep showing up even and that was in the sermon yesterday too, is just talking about Joseph's life. Like he believed God was still with him, even in the dungeon, even when he was accused by Potiphar's wife, like he still believed that. And so now we get to look back on a man whose life, we see God's faithfulness throughout the whole thing. And it's easy to only look at the highlights, but he believed even in the darkness and in the light that God was who he said he was. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. But tell us, what does rest stand for? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll run through this really quick, but there's also a bookmark you can download on the website if you want to like remember it and pray this way. So rest, R-E-S-T, the R stands for recite God's goodness. And so we look at a passage of scripture and I ask the question, what does this tell me about God? Like, what can I praise God for based on this scripture? So Psalm 46, one and two, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Uh, Reciting God's goodness might be, God, thank you that you're my refuge. Thank you for that moment on the laundry room floor. Thank you for when my dad walked away, you were still there. Thank you for that time when I asked for a sign and it wasn't there. 
yet you continue to be my hiding place. Mm -hmm. God, I can look back on my life and see your goodness. How many times I've run to you, you've never turned me away. Uh, So reciting God's goodness is, is looking at scripture, um, and just praising God for who he is and for what he's done in your life, what he's done in your family's life. Um, looking back on your family history, I think there's such power in us telling stories of God's goodness to the next generation, because I've experienced that with my parents too. And and I try to offer that as a gift to my children. I'm telling them stories of God's goodness in their mama's life. Mm-hmm. So we start with reciting God's goodness. Uh, the E in rest stands for express your neediness. So looking at the scripture, what do I need from God? What does it reveal about my own need for God's gifts, for his presence, for his spirit Mm -hmm. in my life? Um, and, and if there's something I need to confess, then it's also receiving his forgiveness. First John one says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And so looking at, you know, Psalm 46, it might be, God, would you forgive me? Because I don't always run to you. Like if I'm being honest, I run to my phone, I run to the pantry, I run to a friend, I run to Netflix, I run to all the other things before I run to you. Mm-hmm. So God, would you forgive me for that? Would you place in my heart just this uh, magnetic draw to you mm-hmm. so that when I am experienced trouble, that you would be my first refuge, not my last. Yeah. So we start by reciting God's goodness. We express our neediness. And that's typically where my prayers would end. <laughs> Amber, yeah. is, you know, kind of like, <laughs> God, I praise you. God, would you help me? Thanks so much. Have a great day. Um, (laughs) And and so this is where the S in rest comes in. This is what's really unique about the rest prayer model is the S is seek God's stillness. Mm -hmm. And now that you've talked to God, take time to slow down and listen Mm -hmm. to him. Later in Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And so this is time for you to just be still, practice the presence of God, become aware if you belong to God, if you are one of his children, his spirit lives in you. And yet if we do not consciously become aware of that, we miss it. We miss the ways that he's working in our lives. Mm -hmm. So take time to be still in his presence, become aware of his loving spirit in you, around you, mm-hmm. ask him, God, is there anything that you want to say to me? If there's a situation in your life that you're praying through or, or a hard relationship that you're praying through, say, God, open my eyes, show me, am I missing something here? Would you give me your wisdom about the situation? And then this is key. Shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And I mean, that takes some practice. I always tell people with silence, I'm like, just press into that uncomfortable feeling and then turn away from that desire to like run away from it, you know, to go ahead and fill, you know, your mind with the to-do list and all the other things, because it will happen. And it takes a long time to kind of get past that. Yeah. I have, um, a a practical creative idea about that. If we have a minute after this, so recite God's goodness, express your neediness, seek his stillness. And then finally the T stands for trust his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Now that you've spent time being still with him, um, if there's anything that God has impressed on your heart, now's the time to trust and obey. (laughs) Jesus says, if you love me, 
you will obey my commandments. You will do what I tell you to do. And when you abide in me, I will bear much fruit in you. The burden for fruitfulness is not on us. The burden for fruitfulness is on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Our responsibility is to rest and abide and be with him and then trust and obey, <laughs> do mm-hmm. the next right thing. Right. And in that obeying, there's a trust that God will be faithful. And this kind of brings you full circle back to the R, right? The ways that God has been good and faithful and trustworthy in the past, we can then move into obedience, trusting his faithfulness that he will continue to work in our lives mm-hmm. and in the world. So as we rest in him, it is his power that works so powerfully through us as we then move into our day, aware of his spirit with us, that mm-hmm. we don't have to do this on our own, that he's the one who has called us and he will be faithful to complete the good work that he started in mm-hmm. us and through us in the world. Well, and I love too that while this is biblically based, you have said that it's also based on brain science. And that's something uh, when I speak frequently to bringing a thank offering to God, gratitude, I speak a lot about the brain science behind it. And, you know, it, it's God's idea. And so explain that a little bit. Like, what is it about? the rest prayer model that actually is also based on brain science. What do you mean by that? So part of it is the habit of prayers of rest, Mm -hmm. um, where I really encourage people, you know, a lot of us have prayer heroes that we look up to. It might be Mm -hmm. our mom or a grandma. It might be, you know, someone's in church history that we think, wow, they were such a prayer warrior. Um, I could never do that. Um, you know, unless I spend an hour in prayer every day, there's that well-known quote that someone said, I have so much to do today. I cannot not spend two hours praying. I'm like, Mm. that's a great sentiment, but my kids need breakfast Mm. (laughs) and my husband needs time with me. Like that's just not realistic for many of us. Um, and so instead of thinking in terms of like really long times in prayer every day, what if instead we thought about a tiny prayer habit? a few minutes here, a few minutes there, like regularly checking in with God Mm -hmm. in prayer, walking in the spirit, right? Praying continuously. We see this in scripture and we also see it in brain science because Mm -hmm. uh, what we're discovering is if you want to start a new habit, you're more likely to be consistent and stick with it. If you start small, because our brains have this perceived resistance to, um, how difficult something will be. And so it's hard to even just get started. Um, and there's a lot more I could say about this. It's a, there's a great illustration about flossing your teeth, um, that BJ Fogg uses about it's easier to just make a commitment to floss one tooth rather than all your teeth, uh, and just start small. Be like, I'm just going to floss one tooth. Uh, and and when you're there, you're like, well, I might as well floss a few more teeth. It's kind of like you trick your brain into doing the whole thing. Our brains are just so incredible. (laughs) I mean, they really are like God wired them this way. Right. So it's just so much fun to me to discover how God wired our brains and then to bring some of that into spiritual formation, Mm -hmm. into spiritual habits. So, you know, one thing is start small. I would rather you practice resting in God's presence two minutes a day for a month than to do it just once or twice for half an hour and then be done. Because those two minutes that you are building that habit, then next month you can grow it to five minutes. 
Yeah. And then maybe the month after that, you add in a second time of resting in God's presence. One, when you're brushing your teeth in the morning and one, when you're, um, you know, driving to pick up the kids from school, that's another thing is linking it with something we're already doing. We're more likely to be successful with a habit. If you attach your prayer habit to something you're already doing. So it might be brushing your teeth or walking the dog or making your coffee or removing your makeup at the end of the day. You know, maybe you spend two or three minutes praying, checking in with God, praying over the the events of your day as you're removing your makeup and, and talking to him that way. You're more likely to be consistent if you link a new habit to something you're already doing. And the last thing I'll say, there's more, but the last <laughs> thing that's built into prayers of rest. And all of this is in the intro of the book. I kind of walk you through how to develop a prayer habit is to celebrate wins and progress and success, right? So if your goal is to pray every day, then what we're tempted to do, those of us who grew up in church and know that you should read your Bible and pray every day, uh, we make this goal to pray every day. And maybe we do it for the first week, but then the second week we miss a few days. And the third week we miss a few more days where we're not doing it more than we're doing it. And we're tempted to look back on that and be like, oh, I only prayed three days this week. I'm such a failure. I can't believe, I can't even pray two minutes a day. I mean, who does that? And, and there's this shame and guilt and condemnation Mm -hmm. that we heap on ourselves. And friend, that comes from the enemy. (laughs) Like that is not the voice of God. That voice of shame and condemnation comes from the enemy. And when we do that, when we enter that cycle of shame, our brains release cortisol, which Mm -hmm. is a stress hormone, which is signaling to our brains. This is a bad idea. Let's not do this again. (laughs) See how much pain it's causing you. So when you flip that, when instead you celebrate progress, it's looking at those same three days and saying, you know what? I only prayed three days this week, but a month ago I wasn't praying at all. And three days is progress. Look at what God's spirit is doing in me. God, thank Mm -hmm. you that you are renewing my mind with scripture. Thank you for those three days that I did spend praying with you. God, would you compel me to obedience and faithfulness? God, next week, I would love to be praying five days a week. Would you help me? Would you move me? Would you remind me (laughs) to Mm -hmm. do that? Um, And then celebrate that God is doing a work in your life. When you do that, your brain releases dopamine, which is that feel good hormone. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing you get when you eat Oreos or like Mm -hmm. your favorite cookies is that this is a good idea. Let's do this again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you're encouraging your brain to continue practicing that habit. So those are just a few ways that we can take what we learn from brain science and apply it to our prayer habit in creative and fun ways. Uh, Another thing is to personalize it and make it fun. And there's more on my website about that. But there are ways for us to develop a habit of prayer that is a space of rest. It's short, it's doable, and yet it's transformative. Even if you only spend two minutes in God's presence, Mm -hmm. those are two minutes well spent. Mm -hmm. Let's close with this in keeping with the same conversation, really. We feel this pressure so often Christians do like, I don't want to pray out loud because I, I don't pray well, or this quote unquote, You sound so, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you sound so good when you pray. And it breaks my heart when I hear that because prayer really is just a conversation back and forth with God. 
He is absolutely delighted to hear from you. If you are just getting in the car though, and you say, keep me safe on this drive, all of those things are delivered straight to the Lord. And so close by just sharing that feeling or that pressure. Like, why do we feel like we need to sound good to God? And then is there any tips that you would say to help someone to press through that? I feel like you've kind of shared some of those, but if you have anything to add. So I'll start with encouragement <laughs> um, and then maybe address yeah. why we feel this way. And the encouragement is that when you pray, you are not coming alone to God. Scripture tells us uh, in, in Hebrews four, and I think it's also first Corinthians, or maybe Romans, <laughs> that we have a high priest who intercedes for us that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, mm -hmm. knowing that we're going to find help in our time of need, that we have a high priest who empathizes with our weaknesses because he was tempted and tried in every way yet without sin, but he knows what it's like. And more than that, this, this passage in Hebrews four says that we have Jesus, our high priest who always lives to intercede for us. And so here's the thing, friend, Jesus is praying for you right now. If you would just hear Jesus's prayers for you, you would be so encouraged and emboldened that you get to come alongside him. Like he's already praying for you. You just get to join in what he's praying. Mm. Another passage that says that the spirit of God knows the will of God. And so when we don't know what to pray, he's right there interceding for us. Mm -hmm. When, when all we have is a groan, like I think of that laundry room moment on the floor, I was not alone That's in right. groaning. I was not alone in that play of words over and over again. Uh, God's spirit was interceding for me in that moment. And so that's why he met me because he was already praying for me. Right. Uh, and so that is our encouragement that when we pray, this is not where you grit your teeth and just kind of muscle your way into a spiritual habit. Rather, th this is Jesus' invitation. He looks at you and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Mm -hmm. Jesus is praying for us. Let's learn from him. He says, I am humble, gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement to you, if you feel like, oh, I don't pray that great, or I wish I prayed like so-and-so, like they're on their own journey with Jesus. That's right. <laughs> Embrace the journey that Jesus has you on with him yeah. and, and join in the prayers that he is praying with you mm -hmm. and for you confident that he is listening to you and he hears you and, and like anything else, you will become more confident the more you do it. So just like, I don't expect my four-year-old to pray rich theological prayers. <laughs> uh, and, and yet God delights in his That's thank right. you, Jesus, that I got to play with my friends yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our father delights in our prayers. And the more you pray, the, the more confident you'll become, the more scripture will come to mind, the, the deeper your conversations will become with him, but he doesn't expect you to dive into the deep end. Mm -hmm. Just, just come as you are, come to him. You'll find rest in his presence. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. You mentioned some free resources on your website. Obviously your book is there. Uh, prayers of rest can be found anywhere, but what is your website so that 
if somebody just wants to check out what you've mentioned here? So prayersofrest.com is where you can find out uh, everything about the book, the podcast. Every week we, we release uh, 10 minute guided prayer episodes that will walk you through praying scripture this way. You can also find that podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called prayers of rest, just yeah. to keep things simple, um, at prayersofrest.com. You can also find that bookmark. I mentioned you can print off R E S T print it off, stick it in your Bible. So the next time you're reading God's word, you can also rest in it. You can mm -hmm. pray that way through it. We also have video tutorials on there. Um, one's called palms down, palms up. It's how I deal with distractions when I'm trying to be still in God's presence. And I remember like, oh, I have to pull the meat out of the freezer and I need to buy that one thing. Like, how do you deal with those distractions? Uh, it's a short video tutorial that has just helped so many people. And I, I think it'll help you too. So all of that prayersofrest.com. Um, I sure hope you take advantage of those resources. Oh, Ash Rita, thank you so much for being here and um, just sharing your love for the Lord with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. As we close out, don't forget, you can download for free 10 scripture prayers to calm your heart at graceenoughpodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.